So, God bless. Welcome to a brand new episode of this uh, beloved podcast, The Way to Heaven. Amen. This is season three, episode two. Amen. Uh, today we have two guests. Amen. Diana. I mean, we only have one guest. Our other is, is uh, the co-host of this uh, show, our brother Ulises Infante. Amen. And the title of this episode is Who is the Holy Spirit? Which we'll get to that in a few seconds. Amen. I hope you guys are having a, a nice uh, Sunday. If that's the day you guys are listening to this episode. Uh, happy 4th of July, which is uh, tomorrow. Amen. For you guys, it's going to be today because the next day release. Amen. So, Sister Diana, any uh, to the audience? Yeah, well, first I want to say thank you for having me here. Um, it's an honor to not only come on the podcast, but to talk about this issue. I think uh, there's a lot of uncertainty within the church, and any way that we can just bring more light to it, I think is a blessing to the whole um, kingdom of Christ. So, um, my name is Diana. I'm a youth leader, youth teacher uh, in a church in George, um, and I've been in ministry for uh, over 10 years now. So thank you, and I look forward to this conversation. Amen. Brother Ulises? Well, just as always, we want to thank everyone who's tuning in to listen, and of course, thank you to Diana for jumping on. Uh, this has been a few weeks, if not a month, in the making, so... Uh, excited to to get, be able to tackle this topic and and do our best to kind of shine some light on on uh, some aspects of the Holy Spirit that maybe have been a little bit fuzzy and hopefully we can clear that up for even if it's just one person I think it'll be a blessing. But thank you. Amen. Now I want to start you know uh, with the first time the 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 Bible mentions it. You know uh, I want to go to the book of Genesis. Amen. Genesis chapter one, uh, verse two. You know, that's how early uh, it actually talks about it, the Holy Spirit. I want to read it. It says, uh, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I mean, and it's impressive that uh, it mentions it even in the Old Testament. You know, and it's incredible how... Uh, we see this, amen, as, and some people, some people see uh, this entity, this uh, entity, right, as, as just a power, amen, and, and it's, it's just have the, they have the, the, the wrong concept, and I can tell you why it's not, you know, just a power, it's also an entity, right, a divine character, an important character to our life, amen, first of all, it has a, uh, has a conscious, or also known as you no know, knowledge. If you guys follow me to uh, Romans chapter uh, eight, verse twenty-seven, it says, "And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will." And then, alongside with other uh, characteristics that this entity has, you know, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. I don't wanna, you know. Uh, Diana, any comments on what I just said? Yeah, I love that the first two verses already bring up the Trinity. Um, even though it doesn't very clearly say the word Trinity, the three um, aspects that make up God are all mentioned. And so the Spirit of God um, is right there on that second verse. But actually, really quickly, I, I looked at this and I think sometimes it's important to include the original language. 
let's see, where did I write it? But um, the word spirit in Hebrew is called, if I say it wrong, I apologize, it's called ruach. Um, I know Ulysses has a lot more theological understanding, so feel free to correct or add, but the word ruach also uh, can mean breath and wind, and those things are actually necessary. Spirit, for example, breath, that's required in order for life to be. Um, and so just in general, I point to both that the spirit means life, but it's also obviously God. Um, I, I did want to actually go into uh, share a quick little story about the Holy Spirit and how do we like know sure that you know he's part of the Trinity and just an example. Um, and if you go to Acts five, uh, you hear the story about Ananias and Sapphira, and this is a man and a wife who um, were starting to see the early church, and there was a lot of like good things happening. Uh, people were selling their things, and they were sharing, and just everybody, there's so much love for one another. But Ananias and Sapphira wanted to get um, some credit, and they decided to lie after they sold a piece of their property. They lied and said that they actually sold it for less, so they didn't have to give so much to the church, um, which the crazy part, it was never necessary for them to even give this money in the first place, um, but they decided to uh, lie and tell everybody that they sold it for more than that. On an act five verse four, it ends with, uh, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, to God. You have not lied to man, but to God. And so just like every time that we try to lie to the Holy Spirit, it, it, we're lying directly to God. So anyway, I, I just wanted to mention that, that yes, uh, the Holy Spirit has been actually woven throughout the whole scriptures, the Old Testament. We see a lot of great examples where the Holy Spirit uh, influences uh, people. For example, Samson and his strength, um, the Holy Spirit would help him and strengthen him. But as soon as you start sitting and you grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, then he departs from them. You also see that, for example, in the story of King Saul and uh, him being spirit-filled. But as soon as he starts going against God's will, then the Spirit actually departs from him. But we have a different access, thanks to Jesus. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But I just wanted to throw those few things in there. Amen. Yeah, I think those are really great points. Um I think that what she mentioned, in referring to how the word um, spirit means more than just this uh, power, but it means breath, that actually translates over uh, into the New Testament, uh, because in John 20, verse 22, uh, speaking about what Jesus was doing, uh, it says, um, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So we see how this, this concept of it being that breath, that life that's necessary, uh, carries through from Genesis, uh, I would dare to say, uh, through Revelation. And I think that there is definitely a misunderstanding, like Ruben mentioned, where it's not a power. And if anything needs to be made clear, I think it's that the Holy Spirit isn't a power spot, an energy source. The Holy Spirit is a person. And while the... While the Bible, you, while you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, um, it's it, it's clear, it's kind of made known throughout the, the scriptures. And in this really great book, um, I'm trying to remember the title. I want to say it's actually titled just Who is the Holy Spirit? And um, it literally walks through 
Genesis through Revelation, explaining how the Holy Spirit is in every single book and how he functions is a really interesting thing because in test the Holy Spirit will only come over people for a moment, uh, over prophets, over Samson, over kings and uh, and priests. He, the Holy Spirit would just come over, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't indwell, wouldn't stay, wouldn't live in them. That isn't until the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And, um, and it's difficult to talk about the Holy Spirit without touching on the Trinity um, because you kind of... And, and I think something about the Trinity, about believing of, of God being, you know, we have God, but he is three distinct persons and the Son, uh, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is mysterious. And I think that that's kind of part of the point. If we could explain away God and everything that he is, I think he would stop being God. We could logically understand absolutely every aspect of God in the Trinity um, I think that part of being God, it, it includes part of that mystery. But just a little bit on that, though, is that we know the relationship between the Father and the Son, there's a unique eternal relationship between the two of them. And it's usually referred to as the eternal generation, right? The Father eternally generates the Son. The Son eternally generates uh, from the Father. But then there's between the Father and the Son, there is a relationship, an eternal, unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's uh, what we refer to as eternal procession. So the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and Son. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit was created, um, was part of creation. The Holy Spirit is his own individual being that we need to also have a relationship with. We talk about the Father, we talk about the Son. A lot of the times we don't talk about the relationship that's needed with the Holy Spirit, the relationship we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit. Um, John fourteen twenty six says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Then in John 15, 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. And then lastly, in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Or if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So in these different verses, we see him referencing how the Father is going to send and how he's going to send. You know, so, so we see this procession is coming from both the Father and the Son. Um, and really, as we study this and as we think about what we see in the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. It was the Son and the Father together who sent the Holy Spirit, right? They sent the Holy Spirit on that Pentecostal mission to start that new covenant to empower those disciples. And so uh, I just think it's really interesting. And I know that maybe some of these verses we'll probably come back to um, and touch on again later. Amen. And also, I mean, I want to... I wanna... Put, uh, put a little note for you guys since uh, if just in case some of the listeners are just disagreeing with us, you know, uh, if you go to John chapter uh, 14, verse 16, I think, uh, Jesus, Jesus, he references uh, the Holy Spirit as an advocate. Amen. And, you know, I, I, took, I took the, you know, I bothered to go like, to Google and Google uh, the word advocate. The definition of advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know, a, oh, a particular cause or policy. See, I can't even read my, my own handwriting, you know. Uh, 
That's how bad it is, you know? My handwriting is so bad, I can't even read it. But yeah, that's the definition for you guys, you know? It's a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy, which basically defines, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know? It's a person, you know, he is in us and he supports us, right? And, and he uh, is our influence for us, and, or, or, us it sh or it should be, if it isn't. It should be our, our influence you know, on on day to day lives, you know, when <clears throat> when we do something bad, you know, that's what uh makes us you know repent, you know, the Holy Spirit is what uh makes us feel that repent, you know. Uh we talked about this in a few episodes back about the difference between guilt and uh repent. Right? Uh guilt, you know, is doesn't come from doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Guilt is something else. Guilt you just feel bad and that's it. That's the thing about guilt. Uh, when you repent, is when you you know you recognize that you are, that you are uh, that what you did was wrong, amen. But you're here to uh, repent to God and and that you're sorry for it, amen. I don't know if anybody else has anything else to say about what I just said. Well, yeah, repentance is turning away from this sin. Um, so to be clear, repentance is turning away. So you, if you say, "Oh Lord, I'm so sorry," when clubbing uh, on. Friday night, I'm so sorry, Saturday morning, I'm never going to do that again, but Saturday night you go again, supposedly last night you repented, that's not true repentance, because true repentance is you turning away from the sin, um, but I will say, repentance alone isn't what's going to save you, uh, you definitely need uh, Jesus to be in that mix for salvation, because if, let's say in the natural, we're, we're in the court of law, and we says works in the courthouse so he'll definitely give us more insight but like if you go to a judge and you tell him oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to steal i've learned from my mistakes i'll never do it again there's still consequences for that behavior there needs to be a debt that has to be paid and so um that's where jesus comes in he's the one who actually pays the price and so i just want to clarify repentance alone isn't going to save you it's important it's critical it's it's very helpful when we have the Holy Spirit who is guiding us, who's directing us to live a holy life. Um, and I think it's important for us to listen to that conviction. And if we're wondering where do we receive instruction, that's the Bible. Um, that's the Word of God. Um, so I, I did want to add to that. Amen. And I'll just add to that in saying that, um, that's right. Repentance means turning away from. Doesn't mean just saying I'm sorry. We touched on that. Yeah. Um, but when we're when we talk about true repentance and true uh, putting putting our true faith in Jesus and who He is, um, it enters into the Holy Spirit. Right. We have we have faith in God that through Jesus uh, we can come to our heavenly Father. We we are forgiven and washed from our sins. Uh, it is the Holy Spirit that that then comes into our lives in that moment. Um, and actually ties perfectly into what I have here in Romans 8, 9. Paul says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God, okay, the Father, dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So I think here we, we come back to this idea of the Trinity. We know there's only one God, right? We know there's only one spirit and one son. So, so he refers to the Holy Spirit as both from the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. Um, and it is that spirit that comes into us 
uh, and that helps us to, and leads us to live that, that holy life, which doesn't mean we're perfect. I always like to touch on that. Repentance and regeneration doesn't mean we're made perfect in an instant. It means that our life is led um, in a holy way, spirit-led, um, with continued repentance. And sin is the exception, not the rule. Where before our life was sin over sin over sin, and every once in a while we would say sorry to God for what we've done. Now, our, as as regenerate uh, creatures and beings, hu- uh, humans called and adopted into the kingdom of God, our life should be uh, separated and set apart in the sense that we are now living holy. And when we do fall, which we will, because we're not perfect on this side of heaven, uh, that should be the exception, where we're living holy, living holy, living holy, and then maybe we stumble. But when we're constantly giving it to sin, that's not true repentance. Amen. And now moving on to uh, the origin, you know, and, you know, when I give you guys this, uh, these segments, right, these four segments, and when we got to origin, I don't know if you guys noticed that I put parentheses on the word origin. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but, uh, but I did. I put uh, parentheses on origin because, honestly, I don't feel like there was, like, an origin. Like, like you know, those, like, those origin stories, you know, like, a, for example, a superhero, you know, when they have, like, an origin story, like, for example, Spider-Man, you know, he got bit by a spider, and that's how it started, and that's, that's how it all started, you know. And the Holy Spirit, you know, and I have, I've had this question a lot of times, you know, people that ask me, you know, they're like, but what, ha- what happened before God? Like, like, what happened, you know? And this is what, like, our mind tries to, to wrap around, because God is, God is eternal, right? But our mind always thinks of an end, you know, a start and an end. That's what our, our mind uh, is like, pro- I will say programmed to think, you know, there has to be a, a start and a finish. That's what our mind thinks, you know, but God is, God is eternal. There was nothing, you know, there was no start or finish. He was always there. Which, you know, if you start to think about it, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, to process, you know, but it is what it is, you know. There's no start, there's no, uh, no finish to God, you know, so... There goes the origin, you know? It's, it's, it's crazy. It is. I had something else to say, you know? And right now, I'm stirring a lot. I don't know why. I'm, I guess it's just morning, you know? I, I just woke up, you know? And this is, I barely woke up half, half an hour ago, so... I, I'm really sorry, you know? I had to go run to get some water, you know? Because, yeah. But anyways, uh, Diana, any uh, comments on the origin? Yeah, I think... Um... Sometimes people do get caught in trying to find more and more evidence. But I do think it's important to know that with the Holy Spirit's help is how we're actually able to see and have faith in God and um, believe that what he says is how it is. So I I do want to make note of that. But as far as like an origin story from our understanding and from what we've received through the word of God, which has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, we see in the beginning that before the founding of the world, God had already planned a relationship by bringing believer to bring believers to Himself. And we know since the creation, there was a separation between His creation, uh, uh, which was Adam and Eve, um, them eating the fruit. They, it caused a separation where we lost our, our holiness, our, our cleanliness. And so, uh, since before, God had already planned for. Uh, a relationship to be reestablished. And so anyway, if you really think about it, human nature, it really does deserve the wrath of God. Um, 
we we sin against him all the time we are unholy we are unclean um and if you want to know how that's measured you could look at the ten commandments which everybody whether they've read the bible or not actually have it written into their hearts people know between right and wrong they know stealing is wrong they know murder is wrong um and that's all been written into our hearts uh, that's in scriptures as well but anyway we truly are unholy frankly and there has to be a price to be paid. If you see in the Old Testament, um, they used to do different types of sacrifices depending on the sin. Um, for the sin of the world, that one required actually something significantly better than just a little bird or a, 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 a clean lamb. It, it needed something more holy. And that's where we get uh, the person of Jesus, which is uh, the son of man, but he's the son of God as well. Uh, the death of Jesus, who he's a person who knew no sin. Um, the death of Jesus actually delivered us from the wrath to come. And that's actually found in First Thessalonians 1.10. And then that begs the question, uh, does God or did God want all of us to go to hell? Was that the whole purpose? Um, why were we created if people are going to go to hell? Um, and I, I've gotten that question a lot myself. And I, I think it's important to read First Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10. And so I'm going to go ahead and read that because the answer is no no god did not want that so verse 9 first thessalonians 5 9 says for god has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him he he would want everyone to be saved but it really comes down to the person uh, each individual person to accept this gift or not it, it really is a choice so i as far as the origins of the Holy Spirit, he is, his, his whole purpose, the reason he's here is to convict the world concerning sin. So his whole purpose is to convict the world concerning sin, and that's found in John 16, 8 through 10. Um, there's different uh, functions that he provides, but um, everyone, everyone has that conviction of, of right and wrong. And so that is what I would consider an origin story. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good story. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I totally agree with everything you guys have said so far. I think when talking about, uh, if we want to talk about the, the origin of the Holy Spirit, I mean, it goes back to the origin of God. I mean, asking where the Holy Spirit came from is asking where God came from or who made God, right? And uh, and I think that that's where, I mean, it just gets into this whole, whole different thing. Um, I mean, we are finite, right? We are not going to our brains are finite. We're not going to be able to understand an infinite God. Uh, God has no beginning. Nobody made God. If God needed to be made, then then he's not God anymore. Only things that are created needed to make God is the maker. And so, so there is no begin. There, there is no beginning for God. He was always there. He's the one who created everything, you know, and I think that that's something that we really need to understand and um, and yeah, you can get into like the young earth, old earth, and people who believe in evolution and are Christian and believe that God used evolution. I mean, that's a whole different thing. But but the Holy Spirit was always there, just like Jesus was always there, just like God was always there, because they are three in one, three distinct persons, um, and uh, and they all indwell one another. So I think that that's uh, getting into like where did the Holy Spirit come from? Is I don't believe we're again, meant to fully understand who God is, uh, because if we could, then he wouldn't be God anymore. 
Amen. You know, and I've also received this question also, you know, uh, by some of uh, teenagers mostly, you know. They're like, Ruben, like, but who created God, you know? And I'm like, like I want to know who created God. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like God is creator, not creation. You know, think about it like this, you know. Imagine, like, you create, you know, we'll say, we'll say, uh, uh, cookie, whatever, what's it called? The cookie man, whatever, I don't know what it's called. Gingerbread. Yeah, if you create, if you create gingerbread man, you know, we'll say you create, like, about, like, ten, uh, gingerbread man, you know. And, well, we'll use, we'll use, like, uh, non-logical stuff to explain this, okay? Suppose that these gingerbread men, you know, they, they speak, you know, and they speak with each other and they're like, who created, which gingerbread created us, you know, and which, uh, matter of fact, there was no gingerbread that created the gingerbread man. It was us, you know, or me in this uh, scenario. You think about it like that, you know, you're thinking, you know, outside the box, you're not thinking, uh, you're not thinking uh, of a... You're thinking of, of a way out of a loop, basically. Which, basically, is, is still, like, the easiest way to think about eternity. That's, like, the easiest way. Even though, like, it's still far away from the truth, you know, we're, like, it's, it's actually not a loop, you know, because time does not reverse itself, or time does not go uh, in a loop, right? But that's, like, one of the ways that you can think about it, you know. But it's still far from the truth, you know. It's just, you just have that in mind, you know. God is eternal you know our mind is not eternal our mind just thinks to start and finish but that's it okay and moving on to why do we need the holy spirit amen we uh i believe and i'm pretty sure uh us you know in, in the in the the podcast right now we also believe that that it is necessary to have this entity with us you know on a day-to-day basis in our daily lives and I want to share this uh, verse that says uh, in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 9, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's just that simple. <laughs> it actually is. And it says, if, you do not have, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's that simple. It's, it's pretty harsh. It is. You know, like, like, if I'm not from Christ, then who, am I, who do I belong to now? I mean, I mean and, and I, know we, I know we all know the answer, you know, but we don't, we don't know to say, you know, we don't want to be that harsh, you know, on people, you know. But yeah, like, this verse is like, straight up tells you, you know, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, then you are not from Christ. Amen, uh, Sister Diana. Any uh, comments? Yeah, I also actually related to the same verse as far as God dwelling within us. Um, in the Old Testament, people would have to go to a temple, and this verse is actually uh, bringing us awareness that things have changed. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, doesn't just reside in, in a in a sanctuary, in a physical church. It, we, our body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so this is that this verse is also referring to that. Um, and this is also part of, I 
you're mentioning that Ulises, where it's a regeneration, which is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, somewhat, I know it's a lot more complex than that, but um, as far as it's for, it's in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Um, it is pretty harsh. I know everybody wants to claim to be a child of God, um, but you actually need to have the Holy Spirit in you in order to be considered a child of God. And so the question people would probably have is, how, how do I then become a child of God? How do I access so the Spirit of Christ can dwell within me? And um, if you actually read Acts 2.38, it says to repent, which we've already addressed. You need to repent, turn away from your sin. Um, by the way, repentance requires the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Holy Spirit gives you the faith that you have repented, that you're on a path, that there's going to be a process of sanctification, which sanctification is a process to holiness. Um, nobody, well, actually, actually, there's a lot of stories of people, for example, being addicts to different uh, substances, and then they receive the Lord, and they're able to completely cold turkey, turn away from that sin, and move forward um but it, it was it's a faith you can't wake up the next day and be like oh that never really was happening um you have to have faith and so that's what the holy spirit provides us it, it's the means the holy spirit is a means that god uh uses to allow us to come with faith into him uh, and i think i described that probably the best using um psalm 19:1, which says that the heavens declare the glory of god um Anyone who's even an atheist can look in the sky. It, it changes every single day. It's beautiful. There's an artist. There, there's an artistry to it. You cannot deny that something had to have created that. Um, as far as atheism, that there's no God, or actually even uh, agnostic people, um, there's just no way that we come from a Big Bang theory. And I have to address this because it's important. The Big Bang... It, it's full of chaos that you cannot create order out of chaos. And so if you look at how everything functions in this earth, it, it's too perfect. It, it, it's circular. There is a beginning and an end to everything. Um, it, it's perfect. There's a creator. And so anyway, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's evidence and people can use this evidence to turn people to God. But that doesn't mean that they're actually saved because you can believe in Jesus, that he was a good, morally good person, but that doesn't mean you believe that he is God. Um, and so evidence alone isn't enough for people. Uh, it, it turns them towards God, but it doesn't mean they're convicted. Um, and so that's why you actually need the faith and the Holy Spirit to accept God. Um, so I, I did want to clarify that. Accepting God, though, that, that goes back to that repentance. It leads to a baptism. Uh, how do you access it one more time? You have to repent and then be baptized by the Holy Spirit. The baptism one time and what actually means is that you are accepting Christ as your head, as your leader. Um, and it also has a component that you become a believer and now you're part of the body of Christ. Within the body, we all play a different role. We all get different gifts. And the Holy Spirit actually helps us. Um, and he's the one to decide what gift we get. So, um this leads us then to being a temple, which is that Romans 8, 9. Um, and then the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. And so um, this seals us and it makes us part of the body of Christ and we are saved. So then we just, after that, after we've been baptized, we then are just uh, filled continuously. We're continuously 
praying for the Holy Spirit to fill us up, but you only get baptized once. Okay. Amen. Brother Ulises? Could you, I, I, maybe I missed it, but um, what do you mean by we only get baptized once? Are we talking about like the baptism, like by the so Spirit, in the Spirit, or water? Uh, those are two separate things. Uh, as far as the baptism of, in water, I think that's just a public display. Um, but it's also receiving of the Holy Spirit. You sure hope that happens at the same time. I will say, though, um, growing up in the church, I feel like uh, sometimes we might sign up to get baptized in water just because our friends got baptized in water. And so um, that's where the question is, okay, so I've been baptized in water, but then I go and then I leave the church. I, I walk away from Christ and so then the question is was I ever really saved but I think it goes back to um, your heart's posture is actually what determines everything if when it was when you first got baptized in water it was just more of an action then it it wasn't fully a conviction in your heart Um, and so I would say in that case you were not baptized in the Holy Spirit because when you have the Holy Spirit those things aren't comfortable, though you, you can't deny God's goodness. You can't deny the reality of God after that. Um, but did that answer your question? Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, yeah, I think mean, that, yeah, I think that, um, that baptism in water can be a whole different topic um, that we can address in the future and what it represents, what it means, all of that. Um, I think it's an interesting story. Uh, but real quick on that though, I mean, I, when I was growing up in church, oh man, I, everybody got baptized before me. I was, I just, I was scared. <laughs> I was legitimately scared to, to actually be like, not because of the water, just because of what I thought it represented. And, and I would see all my friends get baptized and, and go up and sign up and do that. And I just thought, man, but I know what they're like and, and they shouldn't be that way. And they shouldn't talk that way and do those things. And yet they're claiming this thing, but uh, so I, yeah, I think it's good to clear that up. The thing is, I guess where the, the reason for the question was that as we kind of get into why we need him, I think it's important to note that for a really long time, and, and many Christians have experienced something uh, supernatural and spiritual, right? Um, and they call this the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so, I mean, I, I feel like I don't remember if it was before we actually started recording, we mentioned. so. So I do come from, and currently in, what is the Pentecostal background. So with Pentecostals, uh, so you've got, you know, I mean, there's people who are just, so you've got cessationists and you've got continuous, right? Cessationists believe that the spiritual, the supernatural, or uh, not spiritual gifts, the the sign gifts, speaking in tongues, prophecy, and the, the gift of healing, healing gifts. Cessationists believe those stopped at the end of the apostolic age. So when the last apostle who walked with Jesus after he was resurrected, the last human being who was actually there died, cessationists believe that all of those gifts stopped. Um, and then continuous believe that no, those, those can still happen today. And, and so in, in the continuous group that you've got just Pentecostals, you've got just charismatics. And, and so with, I think the big difference or one of the key things that separates Pentecostals from just any other charismatic continuous is that the Pentecostal people or denominations of Pentecostal belief says that they there's this baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
So Acts 1, 5 says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, Jesus speaking. In Acts 1, 9, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So there is a difference between baptism in the Spirit, depending on your theological belief that no one is, or there's no one that's wrong. Like, if you don't believe that speaking in tongues, prophecy, and gifts of healing exist today, I'm not saying that you're not a true believer. You are still saved. And in the same way that people who do believe this, they're still saved, you know? Uh, we're still all going to be in heaven together. But with in this thought though in this theological idea there is a difference between baptism in the spirit and baptism by the spirit so first corinthians 12 13 uh this is king james it says for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether we be jews or gentiles whether we be bond or free we have we have been all made to drink into one spirit so I think that's something to clear up here because I don't know what all of our backgrounds are, especially all listeners, um, is that it doesn't matter whether you're Pentecostal or not. All people who believe, uh, we all believe that we receive the Holy Spirit the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You are, you are baptized by the Spirit in that moment. Whether you believe in that subsequent, that second baptism in the Spirit, um, that doesn't matter. We all receive it. I want to say this really clearly because I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and and I've talked about this more as I've, as I've grown uh, as I've grown up. Is that um, we we have to understand that important point that we all receive all of the Spirit the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The moment we truly have faith and repent, we receive all of the Spirit, not not part of the Spirit. You can't be split up into little segments. You have all the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can read that in Romans 6, 3, Galatians 3, 27, Ephesians 4, 5. Not part, but not half, but all. You all already, if you are a believer and have faith in Jesus, you have all of the Holy Spirit in you. And the reason I, I emphasize this so much is because growing up in a Pentecostal church, there was this emphasis, like Reuben has mentioned, uh, placed on that speaking in tongues. You need to be baptized in the Spirit, and the evidence of, not that you have the Holy Spirit, but the evidence of the baptism in the Spirit is the speaking in tongues. And there was just always this huge emphasis, you need to do it, you need to do it. And I don't think that the leaders at the time realized the kind of damage that was being caused to a lot of people when it was almost being made like, you should be ashamed of the fact that you haven't spoken in tongues. Because that is honestly what we walked away from. And I've talked to a lot of people who grew up in that same kind of church who would say, like, there would be times where the, the, the preachers would say, okay, today's the day. Come up and you're going to speak in tongues today. And you would go up and you would do everything they said, but it wouldn't happen. And what do you do? You walk away feeling like I'm a loser. God doesn't isn't with me. The Holy Spirit isn't with me. And, and that's so crucial. So if you're in that kind of church, understand that that isn't, there, there's a misrepresentation and understanding there of what's happening. You already have the Holy Spirit. And if we believe in that subsequent baptism uh, in, in the Spirit, uh, being in that Pentecostal background, we can talk on that later on, but but you have the Spirit. He lives in you. He indwells in you. If you have that faith in Jesus, if you have been uh, born again, He all of the Spirit is in you. And he's leading you. You are that temple. That subsequent baptism is something completely different if you believe in that. And if you don't, that's great. Just understand that the Holy Spirit as a person is now in you, and you already have all of him.
Amen. You know, and what is believing? You know, there's a difference between you know uh, when you say believe. You know, when you're like, oh, I believe there's a God. No, that's different. You know, when you believe there there is something, and when you believe in that person, because there's people that just say, oh, I believe in, in that there's a God, but that's basically it. That's what, that's what they say, and they're like, oh yeah, I believe that there's a God. I believe there's a higher power, but uh, they don't actually uh, their actions don't uh, show. That they live a life of holiness, and I feel like that's something that, that as a Christian we need to do. We need we need to have we need to have a life of holiness. Obviously, uh, we're gonna have sin. You know, we we're not perfect. We uh, we commit sin every single day. We're humans, amen. But living a life of holiness in which uh, we know the good and the bad, and we choose the good, amen, and we. Uh, let uh, the Holy Spirit influence our life on a day-to-day -day basis. Something important it is to uh, a Christian, because if you say, "Oh yeah, I go to church," you know, I'm I'm yeah, I'm a Christian just because of that, you know, or because I have a podcast, you know, I'm Christian already, you know, yeah, that's that has that makes me have my salvation just like that. No, your salvation, you don't get. Uh, we talked about this a few episodes back. I don't know if uh, our brother Ulysses remembers that. You know, we're talking about that. Uh, that it's not, it's not. It's not what we do. It's not what we do. You know that gains our salvation. You know, not, not not because we preach at church. Not because you know we're podcasters. Not because you know we're uh, leaders. You know, at, at our church, that doesn't uh, guarantee us our salvation. It is our life uh, with God. You know. Uh, our, our life and and, and uh, obviously our prayer you know it's crazy how how many Christians go throughout the day without a prayer and they seriously think that they can go you know through a day without praying you know uh, and think about it as a friend you know are you, are you, are you really gonna call someone a friend if you don't talk to them if you don't, if you don't like take your time to go and spend time with your friend? Can you call them a friend? No, right? We could probably call him a, a coworker or an acquaintance, but that's about it. You you can't call him a friend, or you can't call her a friend, because you don't you don't talk to them, you don't spend time with them. That's not really a friend. Same thing with God. How are you gonna have a good communication with God if you know you don't pray or read the Bible? You know, it's it's, it's key uh, things to uh, uh, Christian life. Amen. Sister Diana, any comments on what I just said? Yeah, um, before I like touch on like what are the fruits of the Spirit real quick, I wanted to, uh, as, as far as living with the Holy Spirit when He indwells with you, we're called to uh, keep in step with the, with the Spirit. Um, like it's been mentioned, there's absolutely no way for perfection on this side uh, where we are right now. Uh, but at the same time, we can at least try to keep in step with the spirit. Um, and I, I just wanted to mention that, like it, it really isn't like something scary. It's nothing um, worth completely walking away from the faith for, because I, I think sometimes we desire as Christians not to be hypocrites. And there are moments where we're going to fail. And um, all we can do is uh, a daily, daily, we have to crucify the flesh of its passions, desires. It, it's just daily prayer, a daily effort where 
we're crucifying our flesh and desires. Um, but uh, in that same area in Galatians 5, as far as what are the, the fruit of the Spirit, and before I read off the list, uh, I think it's important to note that we have access to all of these things. We all, once we've, um, we, we, we have the Spirit dwelling within, within us, we have access to be loving and receive love, um, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, people forget about that self-control, but you know, sometimes we have to be a little extra on that one and make sure we're praying that it's just like, no, thanks to the Holy Spirit, I have self-control to, to put down uh, the McDonald's burger or have self-control to not go to my girlfriend's house at this hour, I already know better. So I'm just not gonna put myself in that situation. Um, but we, we have a lot of opportunities if you feel, uh, we know that in the morning his mercies are medium. So just wake up the next morning if the Lord's given you life and again crucify your flesh and its desires um, and really just look into the Word of God and see where, where you, you can work on. There are things that we should desire to strive uh, to reach that holiness and perfection, but are we going to reach it? No, but at the same time, we should strive for it. That's being in step with, with the Spirit. Um, yeah. All right, I, I agree. And I think if we are still kind of a little bit on, um, like, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, there's just... There's just so much that can be said about who the Holy Spirit is as a person. Um, in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, it says, I will sp sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27 here is, I think, a real good key. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So Diana was saying, you know, we walk in step with the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that that causes us and gives us the ability, uh, and the, the enabling, the empowering to follow the, the, the ways, commands of God and the, the things that God has given us. And I think that's, that's really important. Uh, in John 14, 26, Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us the truths of Jesus. We only understand what we do about God and about Jesus and about his word through the Holy Spirit. And I think that if you watch the Discovery Channel or if you watch the History Channel, you will find that there are people out there who can read the Bible and totally miss the point, right? They will read the Bible like a textbook. Uh, it is when we read it in the light of the Spirit um, and, and being led by the Spirit that we're truly uh, understand what God is speaking into our lives. So there's so much more in Romans 5, 5, John 16, 13 that we could read, but uh, to kind of move into how do we know it's the Spirit, um, I just want to, before going into that, is that the Holy Spirit is just our connection to God. It's our connection to the Father. It's the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ. And we need to really be relying on the Spirit on a daily basis. He needs to be where we're placing our faith. Uh, moment by moment. It's not just Sundays for 10 minutes on an altar that we experience the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a daily moment by moment experience. 
Hey man, I I didn't know you were ah uh, you were done. Hey man, you know it's yeah it's true, it is everything that you're saying good points. You know and Diana, I thought you were gonna say uh your uh the 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 gifts of the spirit and the fruits. I was waiting for it. You know uh I don't know if you said it or not. Did you? Yeah, I do. Because uh, you mentioned a little bit about the the gifts of the spirit, um, and so I know we have several lists throughout the Bible, and you did mention Galatians five twenty two. So when we when we speak about that, I think that when we talk about you know how do we know something is from the spirit, um, looking at at Galatians, I think is is a really great place, and it's a really simple place to kind of. Uh, start because it says but the fruit of the spirit like diana said we all have access to this right but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control um the way i would say is that if we're looking at something or experiencing something and we're wondering is this really the holy spirit i would say if that if this stuff isn't at its core i think that you have you're pretty safe on betting that it's not you know i don't i'm not saying that you know so so it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Uh, what I believe that means is that it's not saying that there isn't room for correction from the Holy Spirit or from a person that's being led by the Spirit to, to try to bring about that, that correction in our lives. But I think it needs to be done in love and it needs to be done in gentleness. Somebody is aggressive or mean when trying to speak on behalf of God, uh, I would very much question it. You know, I think that that's something very, uh, I, I would go so far as to say that, like, for somebody to, who doesn't have a relationship with us to come and try to condemn us on behalf of God and say, God is saying that you need to do this because you're this, this, and that, I would say we have to be really careful with that because uh, I believe that that love aspect and that gentleness aspect isn't there. I think that love and gentleness needs to be there when correction is being brought about. What do you think, Diana? Absolutely. Um, it, I don't know who mentioned it, but it reminded me that as individuals, as humans, we ourselves are triune. We have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. Each one does different things. The spirit, our spirit, is what actually connects us and it gives us the ability to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we're activating our spirit. Uh, as far as our soul, that's our mind, our will, and emotions, okay? Um, and then our, our, our body is our flesh. So I, I think as far as knowing when something is either of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, or if it's of the flesh, which these are always in war with each other, I think um, if you just go back to Galatians 5, it has like a list of the things. Anything, like if someone's giving you advice to be sexually immoral, yeah, that's not the Holy Spirit. If it's idolatrous, that's not the Holy Spirit. If it's um, going to cause jealousy or a fight or uh, any kind of division, that's not the Holy Spirit. If it encourages you to be uh, envious or get drunk or, again, back to sexual morality, th those are things or measures where we know there's there's, there's a good and a bad. <laughs> um and so that's how we're able to kind of distinguish, which is like, is it leading me closer to God? Is it honoring God 
or is it honoring my flesh? Uh, yeah, that, that's how you would be able to determine really um, what direction am I going here. Amen. Right, I agree. I think that a lot of the times when we speak about the Holy Spirit and we try to get into like spiritual gifts, actual giftings, things like that, a lot of people like to refer to 1 Corinthians 12 uh, because it's kind of the go-to of spiritual gifts. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says that each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I think that's super important. Not only... I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack even just from that verse alone. First off is that we are all, we have all been gifted. You have each one of you. I mean, uh, it, just because you can't get up and preach in your church every Sunday doesn't mean that you don't have some amazing, miraculous spiritual gift inside of you that is created, that was given to you for what reason? It says that it's for the common good. Uh, if, you're, if, if these things that are happening in our lives from people or however, aren't bringing us unity and closer together and closer to Jesus, then I, I would say that's not the Spirit. You can't have this division being caused by the Spirit. Yeah, that common good, like, um, if it's solely of a you and status, that's youth-focused, and that's not for the common good. Common good is to edify the body of Christ. We all are a member might be a finger you might be an ear you might be a nose each one has its own different function but all part of one body and it has to be for the common good when i smell and i'm smelling uh something gas like some sort of gas it's a warning for my body hey there's danger time to go you know it's all working together um and again back to that common good if it's just to elevate you um that's probably not a spiritual gift um and it is probably being used in a different way so just recognize that your your gift should be to edify the body of christ um i think sometimes people want to be quick to put a title in front of their name um and i'd rather i'd rather just keep the spirit i'd rather just be <clears throat> in step with him and give back to the common good that is my purpose i don't want to stand out everybody look at me i'm a little long super pinky now have you ever seen those people with a super long pinky now or or the people with like I don't know. There's different things. Just like just work together as one. I don't elevate one position over the other. Um, you might be a small piece within the body of Christ, but it has its role. It has its purpose. It's necessary. Um, and even though one person might have a mic, the person who's in the background, it just it's all for the glory of God, for the common good. Um, yes. <laughs> Amen. And I have a question before we get to our little break, our little pause, because we're about to get to the one hour mark. Uh, do you need to have a reaction when you're in the presence of God? Because I'm, 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 I'm going to put myself on the spot right now. Uh, probably you guys right now uh, by answering the question. But uh, I've been called out, you know, by, <laughs> by some people. Uh, because they're like, Ruben, we've seen you that you do not cry. When you're when you're like praying, or 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 you know, or in the presence of God, I seen you that that you don't that you don't cry, and obviously I have cried you know before, and I'm I'm I don't know if you guys have felt this you know, but I felt that you know when they pray for me, sometimes when I'm standing up you know, my uh feet they turn to jelly you know my legs they turn to like this uh jelly where they just like I don't know if you guys have felt it you know but like they just like 
I don't know, for me, that's, that's what I feel, you know, they just, like, turn to jelly, and, like, they start moving. But, yeah, I have been, I have been called out for not, not crying. Is is There need to be a reaction to you being um, in the presence of God. That's my question for you guys. I think that's a tough question because I think first it's understanding the setting of your question. I'm assuming it's probably uh, like you're in a church service, it's maybe during worship, and you just see that the church as a body of Christ, uh, there's something missing. So the question would be there is if I'm not reacting, do I have to show or manifest in some sort of way, right? Is that what you're asking? I wonder. Do you like? Do I have to manifest when everyone else is manifesting some sort of something like they're yeah. crying or they're speaking in tongues, and but I'm not? Is that the question? Like kind of, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I don't think so, and here's why: um, if we're all individual temples of the Holy Spirit, um, I think all of us come to a place in from a different position. I think sometimes people. Um, hopefully they come to the church looking to um, serve, but also to learn more about God and be in community with other believers, right? That would be hopefully the goal of people coming to a church. Um, Now, if there's a worship service and there's just a move of God, I myself, I would say that when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and this doesn't have to be at a church, it could be anywhere in my car, <clears throat> in a prayer closet, wherever. Um, I think when the Holy Spirit arrives, you know. Um, there's just no way to um, to stop when there's an overflow and just a, a filling of the Holy Spirit. And for me, when I've experienced it, it it's this high level of gratefulness and um, just gratefulness at why would he ever choose somebody as wretched as me um, to serve in his kingdom? I just, I can't help but be grateful. And in that gratefulness, there are tears. There, There's just tears. Um, but then also there are moments where that gratefulness then moves to authority and power. We're just like, oh, I dare say in right now to come and try to tempt me. Um, so then it's that power. And it's just, it, it's an overflow where it's just like, I have to declare it. I have to use my voice, and so I can't just stay within my body. Um, so as far as in the setting of a church, though, um, I think those you have to recognize <clears throat> that sometimes there are people within the church that aren't saved that are then just to criticize, to gossip, and to know what's going on. Um, and so I don't do anything for the well, I don't do anything for them. I do it to serve God. And so in that case, if I can just feel in the room that something's not right there's just no way for me to actually get into worship to actually get into that place that secret place because everybody's watching me in my secret place um and so then i can't actually let go and actually praise god so i I, to answer your question no i don't think everybody needs to manifest i will say though there are moments where just like you come into the room in a different spot you are struggling with your faith. You, you're struggling with the situation. And maybe right then in that moment, you're not ready to actually give it to the Lord. You want to go to that secret place in your car, in wherever where you're alone. So it's just like the setting wasn't right. And so in that case, will I say that you're not safe? No. 
I just think you came into the room in a different time, in a different place, and that's okay. Amen. But when you're in your secret place, and if you're not actually showing something, then I would wonder that, um, are you, te estás entregando, are you really giving yourself to, to the Lord? I, I don't know. All right, so we have to take a little bit of break in there because... Sorry for the audio being cut off. You know, we uh, I had no uh, control of the time. So, yeah, but we have over here our brother Ulises to recap, you know, what we were talking about. Brother Ulises? Yes. So the question that Ruben presented, which I think was a really good question, of whether um, being kind of being almost being called out and saying, well, Ruben, why aren't you reacting to or having some sort of manifestation when in church during worship or during an altar call and things like that and um, because we, unfortunately we got cut off at that one hour mark uh, diana did mention though that i mean there is whether or not you're experiencing something in public i don't think is a good measure of of whether or how your relationship was with god i mean it is a personal relationship with god some people, uh, while God is still working in them, might be a little bit more stoic, meaning they, they might not show their emotions or react emotionally to things. And this is to me totally paraphrasing what Diana was saying. <laughs> but but like, I think the key thing she said there that we may have missed was that, you know, whether it's happening in public, in church or not, during an altar call or during worship and praise, um, the important thing is that the, the, or the concern would be if it's never happening in your personal life at all. Just because you're not maybe having an intimate relationship or an intimate moment uh, where there is some sort of manifestation, whether that's speaking in tongues or simply weeping or, or however it might be in your life when you experience the presence of God, just because that's not taking place in the public square, in a church, in an altar, during worship, doesn't mean that there's something wrong as long as it's happening somewhere in your private uh, time with God whether that be in your car or in your prayer closet or in your bedroom, as long as at some point there is hopefully these deep, intimate moments with God. As we kind of discussed in the small break that we took, is that kind of coming back to my thoughts on this question, I wouldn't add a lot to what Diana said. I would really kind of just say that I think it is important, uh, I mentioned just within us, that when we experience the presence of God, there is there has to be a reaction. We see that in Isaiah, and we see it all throughout the gospel and all throughout the Old Testament. When when the presence of God falls upon the temple after Saul finishes building it, it says that the entire people of Israel, all of the people fell on their faces, right? They fell on their faces. They fell to the ground because the presence of God is that powerful. But I think there, we need to be seeking those intimate moments with God. We need to be seeking that presence of God. But I don't think it necessarily means that it needs to be demonstrated at every single Sunday service because it's a slow song and everybody's crying. Uh, there's something wrong with me because I'm not crying. And there isn't how, how I would honestly, it almost triggers me in the sense that I get upset because I am that person. I'm not the person to easily start crying because a, a pretty song starts playing in church. And I have been criticized for that. I've been called out saying, Louise is like, why aren't you, you know, like, like, why aren't you worshiping? Why, you know, why isn't this? Why isn't that? And, and I, I think that's an, an unfair judgment on me 
because you don't know my personal relationship with God. Maybe I don't feel comfortable crying in front of people. Why is it going to make me feel embarrassed? You know, if, if that's what it's going to cause. And I would say two quick little things. One is I have never, ever in my life been slayed by the Spirit, meaning I have never been in an altar call and, and fallen back. You know how people fall and they lay on the ground for a while, and we call that being slain of the Spirit. That has never happened to me. And that doesn't mean God hasn't moved in me during altar calls and during worship services. That's just not something that has happened to me. And and just because everybody else on the altar is laying on their back doesn't mean there's something wrong with me because it didn't happen. It just means the Holy Spirit wasn't doing that in me. I just never had that experience. And 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 I don't think that's something that, that is wrong. And, and I would also say that emotions, we are emotional creatures. We get our emotions from God because God has emotions, the Holy Spirit as a person has emotions. The Bible tells us not to sadden the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I think sometimes we have to be careful in church because sometimes it's just emotions. And that's it's okay to be emotional, but it's not okay to just label everything that's the Holy Spirit moving. And a really quick story of something that happened is we were practicing once for worship, and the guy that was leading the song starts crying as we're practicing the slow song that we're going to sing for worship that Sunday. And I see him and he's playing the piano and he starts just crying as he's singing this song. And it gets to the point where it's almost uncontrollable crying. And I'm sitting there, I stopped playing the instrument that I was playing and there was somebody else practicing with us. And they're kind of just, I see them kind of praying and reacting like saying, yes, God, just like, just move God, you know, whatever, nothing wrong with that. But there was something off about this crying that I looked at him and I thought, this isn't what we think it is. And I went over to him and all I did was just put my arm around him. And he just starts, he stops playing and just starts crying and crying. And he says, my dad, my dad, my dad is really sick. My dad is dying. And I thought if this had happened in the middle of Sunday service, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It was sadness. It was hurt. He was in the right place to bring that hurt and pain and sadness to the altar of God, but for us to, to just label somebody crying, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're bringing our baggage, our emotions. It's not necessarily the empower and dwelling or presence of God. It's so much just us coming into God and saying, this is what I have. So I think that, that we have to be careful with the, um, not to be too focused on emotions because I think there are churches and preachers and leaders who just want anything to get a reaction out of people. Um, and we have to make that room and make that distinction of this is the spirit moving. And maybe this is just somebody going through a tough time. And it's not a bad thing to come to the altar and bring your baggage from the week and your emotions of what's going on. But I don't think it's a fair judgment to say because that person isn't crying or isn't speaking in tongues when everybody else is, there's something wrong with them. Amen. And, and me neither. You know, I haven't, I haven't been, uh, that hasn't happened to me either, you know, being, you know, Fall to the ground, you know, but I, I have experienced this, you know, a few times, you know, when people just put your hand on you and they try to push you with their hand. I don't know if you guys have, uh, have had that, you know, before, you know, but I, I've had that, you know, people just try to push me over and I'm like, you know, and I just, I just you know, try to stand, you know, as, as firm as I can. I'm like, no, you're not going to throw me, you know, and so back to what I was saying, you know, more of the story, you know, uh, don't judge, you know, you uh, worry about, you know, your life with God, you know. You never know what people have, you know, with uh, their life with God, you know. Some people judge, you know, and, and, you know, so 
that's all that's what I have to say, you know, and just have a good uh relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh good communication good communication with God, you know, pray, read your Bible, as always, you know. Uh that's what I have to say. Those are my final uh comments, my final my final thoughts on, on uh this topic and, and this episode. So on to Sister Diana, her final comments and the prayer. Amen. Yeah, so I would encourage everybody to learn more uh, by reading your Bibles, of course, but keep asking questions. If you have doubt, ask questions. Like, it, it, it shouldn't be something that keeps you away from seeking God, where it's just like, oh, I don't really understand this topic. That's okay. And I think that's the point. Um, you can't understand the Holy Spirit without actually receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, so I really just encourage people to pray and just know in the Bible, we know that he also can pray on our behalf. So um, if you repented, you believe, um, like it was mentioned, the Holy Spirit is already within you. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you don't need to know exactly what to say or how to say things. Um, sometimes honesty is just a, a groan. It's just a yelling, a, a just a, a frustrated sound, and, and that's okay. And sometimes it's actually in tongues, and it could be interpreted. So just know you don't have to do things a certain way. Um, it, the Holy Spirit will help you. And so I'll, I'll lead us into prayer. Um, so feel free, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But um, for the rest of us, uh, I'll say this, where, Lord, so grateful. We're so grateful this podcast exists where for people that are hungry for you and they want to get to know you um we ask through your holy spirit to just keep revealing to us your goodness and you continually guide us and teach us you do things on our behalf all the time and so where we just receive that through the holy spirit um we know that you are god we know lord that you are using us individually as different members of your body and we want to be of service god we want to um keep preaching the kingdom of heaven uh to everyone and so lord we need you for that you are the one who convicts us of our sin and so god keep please doing that and just keep drawing us nearer and nearer to you we we accept this refinement process we accept lord that um it's not going to be all done in one day it's going to be for the rest of our lives where we're hungry for you we're seeking you and we'll be refined uh, just like gold gets put into the fire, you refine us, God, and you keep um, getting rid of the impurities that may grieve you. And so we ask for your strength. We ask for your hope. We ask for holiness. Um, and we just honor you and thank you, God, for this opportunity and this podcast and leadership through these young men. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I hope this, this has been a blessing to your uh, soul, uh, to your life. Amen. To your spiritual life also. Amen. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. Amen. Uh, Sunday, right? So don't forget, uh, next Sunday, you know, new episode. You know, I won't be, uh, I'm sorry for not releasing an episode on Thursday. You know, I was pretty busy on Wednesday to record. And also this week, I won't be, uh, there won't be, there won't be an episode on Thursday because on, on Wednesday is my birthday. So, you know, I'm going to take that day off, you know. So, uh, expect a, uh, episode. The next episode will be, uh, next Sunday. So uh, make sure to go and check it out next Sunday. You know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, a good episode. Amen. What's up, Brother Releases? You know, uh, I don't know if we're going to have another guest or not. You know, we don't yet know. 
So, uh, hope this, uh, if, you guys, if you guys liked this uh, episode, go ahead and share it with friends and family to spread the word and the gospel. You know, also to sponsors, you know, because we need sponsors. I'm saying this, this joke too many times, you know. I, I should just quit this joke, actually. I'm, I'm saying this joke too many times. So I should just stop it, you know. Last time I'm going to say this joke, okay? Uh, so, yeah. You know, my name is Ruben, and this is The Way to Heaven. God bless.